Welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast, the photo imaging industry's leading news source. Here's your host, Gary Peugeot. The Dead Pixel Society podcast is brought to you by Media Clip, Photo Finale, and Advertech Printing. Hello again and welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. I'm your host, Gary Peugeot, and today we're joined by industry veteran Fred Lerner, CEO and founder of MailPix. Fred is coming to us from Huntington Beach, California. Hello, Fred. How are you today? Good morning, Gary. I'm Will. How about yourself? Doing great. Doing great. Now, most people in the industry these days know of you as, as I mentioned before, the CEO and founder of MailPix. But you've been in the industry a very long time. I would say you are one of the more active veterans of the industry. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started uh, with your love of photography? I guess I fell in love with photography when I it started when I was 13 and bought my first camera as I was trying to earn the photography merit badge to become an Eagle Scout. My first paying job was at a as a photography counselor at a summer camp upstate New York called Camp Tranquility. One of the alums of Camp Tranquility was Ben Berkey. And on visiting day, uh, Mr. Berkey came and wanted to visit the dark room, came and saw the dark room that I was running and offered me a job. And I worked my way through college and graduate school working at Berkey Photo. And uh, I've been a photo finisher ever since. <laughs> so for those who may not be aware, tell us a little bit about Ben Berkey and the position that Berkey Photo held in those times. And kind of what was that time period? What, were, what was the era of photography back then? Berkey Photo was the second largest photographic concern in the United States after Eastman Kodak Company. Berkey Photo owned Keystone Camera. They owned retail stores, Willoughby, Peerless. But their primary business was in the photo finishing world. They had eight factories around the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was raised in the New York City factory, their main factory, then spent four years at Berkey, Virginia, Berkey, Long Beach, California, and stayed there. Berkey Photo became a public corporation, uh, ultimately had a patent infringement suit against Kodak, and Kodak wound up buying Berkey Photo. Okay, so that was in the mid to late 80s, as I recall, that happened just prior to when I joined PMA. Right. There was a lot of concern over the disposition of the various Berkey subsidiaries because there were, as I recall, a lot of brands they distributed. I remember like Slick Tripods, and weren't they the Konica distributor? Konica, Semin Omega, and others. So they were, I mean, they were a major concern, both in the hardware side of the business and also the finishing side, and also on the, you know, on the film distribution side. Now it's, and again, it's a kind of a shame they're not really remembered these days, but they were really a major, major player back then. At one point, you struck out on your own. Can you tell us a little bit about starting learner processing? Well, when Berkey Photo uh, started to become too bureaucratic for me. In addition, they wanted me to go back from Long Beach, California to New York City. <laughs> you had got uh, bitten by the sunshine bug at the time. And, and th- they made the mistake of asking me in, in December when the <laughs> sun was out. It was a classic Chamber of Commerce day in Southern California. And I decided to strike out on my own. At that time, I built a, a factory my first factory. And while they were building it, a dear friend of mine in Australia, Neil Cotty, 
called me up and said, Fred, how long will it take to build a factory? I said, about three months. And he asked me to come over there. And uh, I consulted with Pacific Film Labs. Ultimately, we sold that company and we started Rabbit Photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, uh, we took that public. Uh, that stock was ultimately purchased by Fuji. Then uh, we started Metro Photo. And uh, I used to commute to Australia on a regular basis. And still, I'm in touch with many of the family members mm-hmm. in Australia. So you were also involved, wasn't that part of it? The uh, There was also the, the central lab component, but also that was the early beginnings of the one-hour lab. I mean, that's really kind of where the one-hour lab took off. And you were part of that scene, correct? Yes, Rabbit Photo was the major player in, in Australia. Huge story. Um, Neil Cotty was visiting one day, and we were talking about opening up one-hour photo stores and we were driving along Pacific Coast Highway, and he saw a Volkswagen Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And he pulled over and sketched out the logo of Rabbit Photo, <laughs> Volkswagen, Volkswagen Rabbit. Oh, really? That, and it went, went on to great success. So you had some, So you were more of a central lab back then. Right? We used to call that wholesale. Yes. Um, but over in the, in the, I mean, in, in the U S you really had, you were, that was your business, but overseas, it was more of the uh, retail retail. Correct. So what, that must've been a great experience for you to, to see both sides. Not only that, but based upon my experience there, when I, we came back to America, we opened up a spectrum one hour photo as a test case in Long Beach, California. My wife ultimately took that over for 23 years and built that up to a million dollar business. Uh, it was across the street from the house and she was the place in Long Beach, California to go for film processing. By the way, I should mention that uh, my wife, Carol, was the daughter of Samuel Simon, Ben Berkey's executive vice president. She's been in the industry far longer than yes. all of us put together. Well, I was going to say, and you also took her away from the family to bring her to California. I, I remember those days clearly. <laughs> you at one point then sold Learner Processing Labs. Sold uh, the original name was Lena Photo. Mm-hmm. That's right. Sold it to um, American Photo Group, which flipped it off to, under Steve Bostick's time. Right to Eastman Kodak Company right. and uh, worked for Kodak for a few years. Ultimately, I bought back that facility right. and an asset purchase and restarted the business as Learner Processing Labs. And that was about the time you and I met, because I remember I joined PMA in December of 87, and I think I flew out there to visit you in 89 as part of a photo marketing magazine article. And you were really one of the first industry people I ever met. So I didn't know anything coming in to talk to you. So, so Roy Pung was kind of throwing me to the wolves there. That was, uh, I don't think, I think he was trying to see what I was made out of. So hopefully I wasn't a wolf. <laughs> no, you were very kind, very kind and generous as always. But it was interesting because I really, because I still have my learner, my LPL uh, lapel pins, which are almost as famous as the Dead Pixel Society lapel pins. So I still have those. <laughs> if anyone needs one, I have a few. Left. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, you, I remember you had, you had a new one for every year. Every year. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Great marketing as always. And then you sold 
LPL again, kind of when the whole wholesale consolidation industry was happening again. And, and what, were, right. what was the industry like back then? Because I remember it was very exciting because you had literally hundreds of wholesale plants around the country. And there was this big rapid consolidation that was happening as the overnight business started becoming more and more uh, less viable with the growth of the retail business, but it was still a, a good business. And it really consolidated under uh, East McKodak, Fuji, and Konica were really the three centers of control there. And you sold again to Kodak, as I recall. As Learner Photo, my first business, we had one lab. On the Learner Processing, I expanded that to several labs around mm -hmm. the country. And Qualix, under the leadership of Peter Fitzgerald, went on an acquisition kick and acquired, to the best of my recollection, a total of 143 labs wow. under the Qualix brand. And this time, when Kodak slash Qualix acquired my company, they put me on a seven-year contract. So I stayed on as president of uh, what became Kodak Processing Labs for seven years, yep. according to Peter Fitzgerald. And uh, that, that was a major consolidation because those 143 labs just became several central labs. You had a kind of a different focus too back then because I, I as I recall you mostly serviced camera stores with kind of kind of boutique processing. Correct. Independence camera stores, uh upscale uh, processing Mm -hmm. uh, customers. And at the time you were also advancing onto the PMA board, as I recall, that was about that time period. Yes. I've always been active in PMA. It yep. was one of the largest trade associations in the United States. And, uh, our conventions, as you may recall, Gary used to attract, uh, over 20,000 people from 80 countries. And, uh, it was because of the networking at PMA that permitted me to meet people like you and others and to make acquisitions. Uh, we grew our business by acquisitions for many, many years. So after your contract was up with uh, Kodak, you went digital. We did. Uh, Peter Fitzgerald retired. My contract was over. Photo finishing was still a very, very good business, yep. but something was happening in the world of digital. And I approached uh, David Ritz at Ritz Camera, concept of starting RitzCamera.com. Right. And this was not when that was necessarily a slam dunk idea, as I recall. So that was in 1999. Yep. The internet was new. We weren't first to market. I remember David saying, what is RitzCamera.com? And we partnered and built up a very, very large, successful business selling primarily digital cameras mm -hmm. was the main focus. I then acquired Camera World, uh, WolfCamera.com, mm -hmm. uh, PhotoAlley.com. Uh, we expanded outside of our core business into fishing and boating. Yep. Acquired the BoatersWorld.com. Mm -hmm. Overall, I've uh, been responsible for about 28 acquisitions, various stages of my career. Mm -hmm. Stay on that point for a bit. What makes an act, what appeals to you about acquiring companies? All businesses grow organically, customer by customer, day by day. But the fastest way to grow a company is by acquiring a business. And instead of a slow, steady growth, you can grow much more rapidly by acquiring so it's a speed. It, it's the it's the speed aspect of it to, to grow yes. a company. You find more appealing. Very much so, dear. You didn't start out doing acquisitions. You you learned that over time. Um, is that something you learned as you got into LPL and realized that was the best way to grow your business? I learned 
how to make acquisitions by being acquired twice. <laughs> hey, this is a good idea. <laughs> I like it. I'd like to do more of it, except instead of being the acquired, acquiree, I'll be the acquirer. So what did you learn from being the acquiree that you're like, well, I can do that better? The economics, the synergy, uh, mm -hmm. how to make acquisitions work. Mm -hmm. Harvard did a study at one time that showed 85% of all acquisitions were failures. Mm -hmm. I studied voraciously all the failures of acquisitions in order to avoid that when I was making an acquisition. So what would be a common denominator of a failed acquisition? Lack of synergy, lack of doing homework, uh, mm -hmm. uh, culture clashes, very big item. Mm -hmm. When we make acquisitions, we uh, typically close down the acquired facilities and move it into our own facilities to avoid the culture clash. So what's the hallmark of a successful acquisition? Same thing that's the hallmark of any successful business, <laughs> profit. <laughs> the bottom line, as always. That's what business is. Mm -hmm. Business is an economic creature. So then Ritz Interactive uh, had a lifespan and it, 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 it went away. Then you started mail picks. What what was your idea about mail picks that you learned from prior businesses that you brought to mail picks? We are uh, in prior companies. I did all the manufacturing. Mm -hmm. I built labs all around the country. Had lots of capital requirements, mm -hmm. lots of staff. The mail picks business model is an outsourced model. Mm -hmm. to leverage the strengths of others right. where they specialize in various aspects of business so that we could manage many brands mm -hmm. as we currently do with a manageable staff. What is the go-to market value proposition for, for MailPix for the customer? What are they getting out of doing business with you? Well, again, there's no secret in, in business. Mm -hmm. uh, it's faster, better, cheaper for the customer. We try to offer the customer lots of options, lots of opportunities that they, they don't necessarily find elsewhere. So an example of that maybe would be the, uh, like the one hour photo app, which is one of in, in your portfolio. Uh, our, our business is divided into two major branches, mm -hmm. our web business, which is our original mail picks and some of the companies we acquired flash.com ritzpix.com, mypix2.com, and the printing division of PhotoBuck at printshoplab.com. Mm -hmm. uh, then we opened up a one-hour photo app, and we have a, a suite of apps mm -hmm. connected to uh, 20,000 retail locations right. through a one-hour photo app at CVS, Drug, Walgreens, mm -hmm. uh, Walmart, and Dwayne Reed out of New York City. So you can take a photo on your phone and pick it up anywhere in the United States one hour. And not only just photos, but also now uh, photo gifts to some extent more and more. Yes, the retailers are expanding into a lot of giftware. Mm -hmm. So if you open up the one-hour photo app and go to CVS, for example, you'll see about a dozen different products, and photo cubes and bamboo. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing the selection of products you can get produced in store now through a mass retailer i mean I, I would expect some of this those products from a from a specialty store but from a mass retailer you're seeing a greater uh, array of products being made available absolutely so what are the synergies between the one hour photo people 
customers and the mail picks and his portfolio companies customers are, are there's a lot of crossover there or, or, is it, or is it two different segments there is crossover if uh, people want the convenience of mail to home we have that but they have to pay for shipping if someone needs a product in a hurry it costs a little bit more at the retail location but they can get it in an hour and they save the money on right. shipping right so there are customers who want convenience, mm -hmm. some want speed, some want price, and many customers want both. So as you look at companies that might be a fit for a future mail picks portfolio company or acquisition, what, what, are, what, are, what are you looking for as the acquirer? We're looking for companies that can fit into our business model, mm -hmm. whether it be uh, a web-based business or an app-based business. Okay. No labs, no infrastructure. <laughs> no. Oh, no. We are rather agnostic. Uh, we're opportunists. We look for opportunities and we've done both. We've bought labs and we've bought just standalone uh, app-based or web-based businesses. Looking back, you ran into Ben Berkey in a dark room and it turned into this long career which, I mean, clearly you've had a lot of, you have some great business acumen. You're a you know, student of the industry, student of business. What's kept you in the photo industry when clearly I'm sure you could have done many other things. What's kept you in this business? I love the fact people treasure memories. Mm -hmm. They treasure their memories all their lives. There's a classic story about uh, when people have their houses on fire. Mm -hmm. One thing they grab first are their photo albums. Right. Photos are important. They're important to everybody. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, that's one of the things I think people in this industry, like, you know, it's not that big anymore, but it is something that keeps people centered around that this is an important social good that this industry provides. It's an amazing, if you think about it, it's an amazing technology that that can provide you with a long lasting physical memory in the form of a print for basically pennies. It's, it's astounding if you think about it. I love the tagline, mm -hmm. memories of forever. Looking forward to 2021, what are you looking forward to in terms of you know, the business climate, the economy, what's happening in the industry? What do you see as, a, as going forward as what's driving 2021? I see the end of COVID. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Country is opening up, travel's opening up, stores are opening up, and there'll be a lot of picture-taking opportunities, and there's a lot of pent-up demand for social activities and travel activities. So I see the photo industry participating very strongly in that regard. And that's one of the things I've heard is I've heard is you know the fourth quarter of last year was actually from an industry standpoint was actually okay because it wasn't as bad as it could have been because there was no travel there was no family visits but people were creating home decor they were creating some gifts they were doing some things and yes. now as 2021 opens up and we we hope people will begin traveling and vacationing and meeting friends and family and having reunions and whatnot that it'll create more opportunities for everyone Agreed. So you're optimistic. Is what I'm Very saying. optimistic. Well, thank you, Fred, for your time and uh, wishing you the best for continued growth and success. Thanks, Gary. It was a lot of fun being with you again. Thank you for listening to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. Read more great stories and sign up for the newsletter at www.thedeadpixelssociety.com.